This talk is offered by Ordinary Mind Zendo. Ordinary Mind was founded by Barry Magid, Dharma heir of Charlotte Joko Beck, and is dedicated to her vision of a psychologically minded Zen practice adapted to the needs of American students practicing in the context of their everyday lives. Our public programs are made possible by donations from people like you. From the miscellaneous koans, Joshu's three turning words. The Buddha made of wood won't pass through fire. If he does, he will surely be burnt. The Buddha made of mud won't pass through water. If he does, he will surely be drowned. The Buddha made of metal won't pass through a furnace. If he does, he will surely be melted. The true Buddha is sitting in the house. The koan begins by talking about three kinds of material Buddhas, wood, mud, metal. And each case, the particulars of its material is contrasted with our idea of Buddha, which in some way is abstract rather than particular, is a symbol of perfection rather than the limitations of a relative world. And yet, each object is a Buddha, wood Buddha, mud Buddha, metal or gold Buddha, regardless of the material, it's still a Buddha. And yet it's Buddhahood does not protect it, not in any ordinary sense of the word. The mud Buddha dissolves in water, the wood Buddha goes up in flames, gold Buddha melts. How lovely to understand that kind of vulnerability. And what does it mean that after describing those three material Buddhas, we're told the true Buddha is sitting in the house? Is that true Buddha the immaterial, transcendent 
something, right? Buddha nature, not made of anything at all. Capital M, mind. Capital B, being. True nature. All these abstractions suggest themselves as what the true Buddha is. But how is that true Buddha any different than the three examples we were just given? Is the mud Buddha not a true Buddha? Is the wood Buddha not a true Buddha? The gold Buddha? Part of the challenge is to see Buddha nature as inseparable from impermanence, inseparable from vulnerability, inseparable from the particulars of our life. And those particulars can always be compared in our mind to some ideal, the true Buddha, not just this mud Buddha. But we live our lives as mud Buddhas, wooden Buddhas. Or as I said when I first wrote about this koan many years ago, I added a fourth one. I said, a meat Buddha doesn't pass through time. Just as water will dissolve mud, time will dissolve our flesh. We are meet Buddhas subject to time, old age, death, decay. Is that a flaw? Is it something to be overcome? Is there a true Buddha inside that's impervious to all those things? Although I don't think it's the uh, necessarily the intention of this koan, I tend to think of the different Buddhas mentioned as sort of describing different aspects of our character or of, you could say, different kinds of students, although I think we all contain some mixture of different varieties.
And in a way, just for my own amusement, is not something uh, you'll find in the literature. I, I think of the, the wooden Buddha as the kind of student who is solid and steadfast, who adheres to the practice and the schedule and the rules and always shows up. And there's a great solidity, strength, commitment, endurance involved in that kind of regularity, that kind of steadiness. And for that kind of student, just showing up every day to sitting is sort of the foundation of practice, what, what's to be relied on. In many ways, I think I'm that kind of student. I like the regularity. I depend on structure in my life. I'm not a big fan of uh, vacation, and I don't like the idea of retirement. I like the regularity, routine, and schedule. There's something very grounding about that for me. Yet the wooden Buddha will be burned up in fire. There's a way in which all that routine is inevitably subject to change. As much as we rely on it, as much as it's a good ground of practice, one day that ground will shift under us. The mud Buddha I think of is a different side, a kind of a side or the kind of student who feels I'm not really very strong. I'm just made of mud. I'm not stone or gold or wood, nothing really solid. And I have to be careful. I don't really want to do too many long sessions. Maybe I'll do half a day. Maybe I'll skip Oriyoki. I don't like that part. Mud Buddha thinks of themselves as fragile. And indeed they are. Something as ordinary as water will dissolve them. They've got to live a life that's careful. But even in that caution, it's good to remember they're Buddhas. They're fulfilling themselves in their lives and their idea of practice in a way that expresses who and what they are. And I have that side to me. I'm not somebody who ever wanted to go to Antaiji and sit sashins of 50-minute periods, one after another, 15, 16 hours a day or whatever they would do. I don't have the physical strength or endurance to do that, and I don't aspire to it. I don't think I'm 
I'm strong and tough that way. It's not a side of myself that I particularly developed. I've sat a lot of sessions and I've done a lot, but I'm always aware of certain limits. So I have that mud Buddha side to me. I, I understand that. The metal Buddha or the gold Buddha? I like to think of that as our fantasy of enlightenment or, or even becoming a teacher. Finally getting the, shouldn't say the brass ring, the gold ring of, uh, of practice. Winning the lottery of practice. Now I'm gold, right? Everyone can see my value, my perfection, what I've achieved, right? And I can finally rest secure in that. That's easy to fall into. Yeah, the whole history of my generation of teachers in America shows that uh, becoming a teacher is not any final stage of impervious uh, perfection. All sorts of things have befallen teachers. No one is immune to the vicissitudes of their own emotional vulnerability. There's no final place like that that you can arrive at. But the koan ends dangling this idea of the true Buddha sits in the house. Is there something inner and eternal and perfect and impervious for which all these three types of Buddha are just imperfect and rough approximations. In a certain sense, that describes a kind of trap or a curative fantasy. Instead of mud or wood or gold, this Buddha is going to be pure spirit, pure mind, pure awareness. Well, what would it mean to realize that the, that true Buddha is nothing but the three other Buddhas fully accepting their Buddha nature 
as their impermanence. Just as the very first koan in the Mumon Khan asked, does a dog have a Buddha nature, setting up this seeming unbridgeable dichotomy between dog and Buddha? So here we, we're set up with these dichotomies of mud and Buddha, wood Buddha, gold Buddha and then true Buddha. The dog's Buddha nature, a Buddha made of mud, a Buddha made of meat. Are we prepared to really recognize the Buddha, when it shows up in one of these guises, are we prepared to recognize the Buddha in the mirror? <laughs> 